Association Rockstars, where we hear about the journey insights of amazing association executives and partners who are building the association industry of tomorrow. I'm your host, Lowell Applebaum, CEO and Strategy Catalyst of Vistacova, where we have partnered with organizations on facilitation, strategy, and governance. And it is my immense pleasure to have with me today, Ms. Tori Miller-Lew, MBACAE. Tori is the Director of Information Systems at the American Speech Language Hearing Association. She's a technology leader with extensive experience in association management, strategic planning, and information systems. Tori is a founding member and board member of Association Women Technology Champions. She is a certified association executive as well as holds an MBA from GW. Tori, so happy to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so we were talking a few moments ago about the opening question we like to ask around strengths. And of course, our frame is that we uh, look at strengths and think that they are truly the superpowers our rock stars have. And so we would love to hear a little bit as you think about your own career, your own leadership, right? As you think about your superpower, what is one that you have that really has let you shine? So this one was a little bit hard for me to answer. And so I, I went out to friends and family and coworkers and asked them. And what I realized in that kind of revelatory exercise was that their answers were the strengths or superpowers I have that they derive the most benefit from. Um, and it helped me kind of reframe the question that it's not just what do I personally feel like I'm best at, but what am I best at that is most helpful to others? And I think that's probably pretty relevant in the association community or really any space. Um, so my power, my superpower that I think helps the most people is, um, and I, you told me I get bonus points for coming up with like a cute little name. So totally, totally. I, I am an idea wayfinder. Idea wayfinder. Yes, sir. <laughs> so. Okay. And I got to give credit to Tim Hopkins and Catherine Matthews um, for helping me come up with that little name. But so when you think of a wayfinder, it's another word for basically a navigator or someone who yeah. finds the way, right? So I was picturing an idea almost as a sailing ship. So that ship is going to have a course to a certain destination. Um, there's going to be obstacles along the way that you have to account for. And when I hit my flow, my like happy spot, it's when I'm envisioning that course and all the obstacles and kind of red teaming things and trying to think of what's going to go wrong. That's when I hit my happy place. So you might call it systems thinking or project management or task breakdown, but I, I can really clearly see the course to realize an idea fully. Um, and then I think it's also important to note that if you're on the sailing ship, you're going to have other people on the ship that are helping you move the ship forward. So I think it's really important to have an understanding of everyone else's strengths in the yeah. pursuit of an idea, but also uh, to have the emotional intelligence and the humility to take feedback and admit when you're wrong and course correct if need be. Uh, and then the other aspect of it and why I think I loved the, the word wayfinder so much is I actually love the way more than I love the destination. I like the path a lot more. Yeah. I, I'm, I mean, I'm happy at project closeouts or when we reach a goal, but man, I, I love like the day-to-day -day little problems. Even when I'm complaining about having to put out fires, that that's what gets me going. I love that stuff. The journey and solving. Yeah. The, uh, 
you know, I'd love to know as you reflect sort of your career to this moment or even out, outside of work, this innate ability to be a wayfinder, the passion for the journey, not the destination born within you, something that grew over time, like where from your own journey along the way, where has it come from? That one actually, I'm sure there's something there about my, my experience. Cause I started at a small association and I got the chance to wear a ton of hats and almost, um, if you've worked at a small association, you know, that it's almost like, uh, being in a rotation program at a corporation where you get to try like every little department. So that experience was kind of an association 101 and, and gave me a sense of how important the path is. Um, I think the other aspect of that was uh, being a part of ASAE and being a part of that community. Um, I'm trying to think though. It was it was I born with it? Probably yes. I would say so because I think even as a child, personal story, but even as a child, I had more fun setting up for imaginative play than I did in the actual action of playing. Like I, I would have more fun setting up for okay, we're going to like play house. I would set up the house and then I'd be like, all right, peace out. I'm done. Uh, And my sister, my older sister would be like tearing her hair out because she was like, you spent three hours doing this. I want to play. (laughs) I I love that what you did as a a child in terms of the setup of that is uh, what you've been able to take as a strength because, I mean, because at least from what you just talked about in terms of emotional intelligence, uh, perhaps your sister wouldn't relate to that's what you had in that moment, but clearly like there's components of building, not just the setup, but the journey that you're talking about, Yeah. especially about talking about other people. I mean, how do you proactively approach having other people engaged and on board on that journey? So I feel like it's, it's a matter of really clear communication and almost storytelling. Um, and that's probably where I'm, I'm leaning on a background in marketing and communications, but even before that, a background in theater. Um, in theater, you're always focused on the story, all the characters, the subtext of what's being said, um, but even the subtext of the imagery that you're experiencing. So I think when you take that holistic look at the journey of um, the emotions involved, the branding, the images involved, uh, it helps you shape the experience for everyone around you and yourself. You know, I, I don't think it would be as fun if I, if I hated the journeys myself. So I think you, you in, a, in large part, can craft your own experience on a journey or on a project, whatever. In terms of, I mean, I feel lucky that we frequently have conversations where we exchange ideas and I'm always impressed with your thirst to learn and to gain new perspectives. In terms of your uh, wayfinder tendency and and building the journey, where do you find that you seek learning? How do you develop that further? Oh, so one of the best outlets for me lately that that's held me accountable to learning is I do weekly cluster meetings with, and at ASHA cluster is like a department. So every week, all 28 members of my staff hop on a call. Now it used to be in person. Um, and our, our cadence is that we do a topic of the week and then we do team updates. And the majority of our time is actually spent on the topic of the week because in technology, 
that that professional development is critical. That's how we maintain our skill set. That's how we make sure that we're um, ready to respond to new technology trends or new changes in cybersecurity. So in addition to the cluster meeting, just as a footnote, uh, I make sure that my team devotes 6% of their time every year to professional development. So the cluster meeting has forced me to make sure that I'm allocating time to do research and learning because then I'm responsible for presenting topics. I don't do a topic every week, but um, a lot of weeks I do. And so this year alone, I've, I've done presentations on quantum computing, on digital twins, on work from anywhere, on algorithmic justice and coded bias. So it, it forces you to branch out and research and ask people questions to learn more. Yeah, I love the inquisitive nature and what you're talking about in that. that forces you to reach out and ask questions. I, you know, certainly your journey has such a technology uh, bent to it, uh, at least for a number of the positions along the way. Uh, and yet you speak with fluency around emotional intelligence and caring for your people and bringing them along. Uh, I'd be interested in where, as you look across your peers in the space, do you think that uh, technology is really shifting from a place of the idea that you're just sitting in a room with servers, right, to actually being more of like a people-centric position? That, that is such a like damaging cliche. I, I'm, I want to dispel it. Good. Can I, can I like, <laughs> can I write a complaint letter to like the Dilbert cartoonist yes. or something about please, that one? Please, please do. I genuinely don't think IT was ever not about people. I think if you ever heard an IT professional say, you know, if, if you don't hear about any problems, it's a good day. Like that's BS, excuse the language, but like, right. I, I would rather know about problems. I would rather have that feedback. And I think anyone on my team would say the same. We would rather have someone put in a help desk ticket and ask us for help so that we can resolve problems, so that we can see trends and themes and then proactively address problems before they become widespread. Um, so I, I, I think technology is always about people, whether you're talking about consumer technology or network infrastructure or software development, it's always with the purpose of serving people. Yeah. For, I mean, clearly you've had a, a journey within the association world uh, inside organizations. You also were on the consultant side for a little while with the company. Uh, any reflections in terms of that journey about like, what is it about associations that has drawn you in or kept, kept you in this space that makes you want to stay here? I think for me, it, it was that combination of starting at a small association, getting to try everything and getting that like association 101 experience that I mentioned. Plus, um, at this is a couple of years ago, but ASAE started deliberately looking for young professionals to be on counts on their membership councils, uh, their volunteer groups. Um, so Reggie Henry had encouraged me to apply for tech council. And that whole experience was a game changer because I already was building up kind of the education and experience through my MBA, through um, trying all these different things at an association. But then when I actually started creating a network and then also combined that with passion, so I guess that's education plus passion plus network, that equaled for me the, the commitment to the association community and, and really feeling like I belong and I can make a difference. And it, 
it almost was a shift even in my career because as soon as that clicked for me, I felt like I was actually delivering more value to my association. I found my sweet spot in technology. I had a network that could support me and help me grow. Um, and as a result, I could deliver things like helping with adoption of a new AMS, redesigning a website, um, even helping to launch a research program uh, or help execute a strategic plan. Th those were all things that I was able to do because I had this network of support behind me. Do you find those, those places, the, the network, the education, the community, the past 13 months, do you find that's still been possible to continue to invest there? Has it been challenging? How have you, like, how has the past 13 months of a different landscape shifted your own, your own personal growth, professional growth in that area? I, you will know this firsthand. I for sure miss the serendipitous in-person exchanges that we had at receptions or, um, you know, just different educational conferences that we went to. I think that's how you and I became friends, actually having, a, I remember exactly having a chat by a fire with you and, and learning about you and your career and feeling like, ha, he's going to be my friend. Um, <laughs> I, I kept the scary voice inside though. I didn't say it to you at the time. Thank um, you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but, I actually, the last 13 months for me have been really inspiring because I, I feel like we're in an association renaissance mm. and, and maybe that's like an overstatement, but go with it. I like it. You look around it on Facebook and, um, you know, on ASE collaborate. And I, I feel like we've rallied that we have not retreated at all, that we have shown resiliency and we've responded to this really traumatic shared event by coming up with more content, by more uh, creating more opportunities for people to connect. Um, I, I feel like ASAE and other organizations like ASHA have also created greater accessibility at more affordable rates through this virtual event technology. So, you, you know, with the Gen genesis of all this content that has come about because of the pandemic, plus the greater accessibility and affordability, I, I feel like we're almost democratizing creativity and innovation in a lot of ways. So my hope is that even, I wanna go back to having in-person happy hours at some point, that'd yeah. be awesome. But I hope we don't lose that Renaissance feeling that that spark of creativity, this yeah. rapid generation of content and responsiveness that I I feel like I have not seen um, since I started in the association community in two thousand two thousand six. I started. I mean, the concept of the democratization of innovation of creation. Uh, as you think about the coming years, those aspiring to be leaders, those aspiring to be rock stars. I mean, if you were going to give them advice or direction about how to participate in this renaissance where would you where would you direct them so i think if you're trying to learn more you should definitely go to um things like asae or association shred or things like that you, you should definitely go to what's in our community and what our community is developing because we're developing that for each other right but i also think that 
if you're striving to grow, we need to start looking outside the association space because another cliche that I hate is that associations are three to five years behind the private sector. Mm. I, maybe that was true 10 years ago, but can it be true anymore? Can, do we really have the ability to be lazy and kind of sit back and, and just expect that everything's going to stay the same? Um, I, I think we, we have to look outside our space and we also have to get a lot more deliberate about uh, curating ourselves and innovating. And when I say curating ourselves, I mean, let, let's make sure that subtraction is just as important as addition. Yeah. Um, when we're thinking about our programs, when we're thinking about our cultures, our organizational structures, it, we should always be striving to reach that, that optimal point at, for that time in place. Right. Um, and that means that you have to have a rabid attention to data. You have to have a rabid attention to user experience um, and constantly be trying to feed that feedback loop so you get that. Um, I feel like I, I just threw out like a lot of weird little like no, it's, myself, but it, it echoes you know, a lot of the conversations I have with organizations and specifically their boards is the most effective and efficient and mission focused organizations, the ones that are extremely good at saying no. It's not mm -hmm. saying yes, right? It's the more you the more you can ably say no to the right things, the more you can invest in the yes you say to the unique and powerful things. So I think there's a lot of truth in that. I where do you look in the outside world? Are there publications? Are there blogs? Like where, like where do you look for external outside the association world insight? Any podcasts or any pl regular places that you tune into? Um, so annually, I look at Accenture's technology vision report, um, which came out, I think, in January or February. So I think that's a, a great place to start. Um, I do think that companies like Adobe and Salesforce put on some really interesting programs with, uh, and they've been free this year. I mean, even, even like CES was lower cost this year. So right. again, it's that affordability and accessibility thing. I, I think there are a lot of opportunities to learn from private companies. Um, so that's one for me. I'm also part of a, um, a CIO group that has CIOs from non-associations, which has been really interesting you know to sit next to the cio from jk moving services right. um at a lunch is fascinating they're they're dealing with a totally different set of problems but there's still quite a lot of common factors that we can talk about uh you know you your journey is so interesting i'm wondering if along the way how the place of mentorship has played any role have you accumulated them from within your discipline from multidisciplinary viewpoints like how how has there been any sort of guidance or even just shared mentorship along your way oh that's a good question i don't know if i've ever had i've never had a formal mentor mentee relationship i've definitely yeah. had people like you that i've reached out to on a consistent basis to learn from and ask questions and get feedback um yeah, for me, it's always been more informal, but I do, I am a believer in, you know, formal mentor mentee programs. Um, it's, it's just never yeah. flown. I think that would be hard for me because I, I would want, I would want like five different mentors and that wouldn't be fair to the mentors. <laughs> well, it sounds like what you're describing is that you, 
establishing your professional relationships, those that you think you can learn from. And I can say who definitely learned from you in return. So there's a place of mutual mentorship, it sounds like, in the relationships that you form. Hopefully. Hopefully. I would, I, I would, I would confirm. Thank you. I can't believe the time has flown by. Okay, so I, I will, uh, taking an eye at the time, uh, I'll try to wrap us up with our favorite last question, which is, as you project uh, far, far in the future uh, and look back on your career, what's the legacy that you hope you leave behind in the association world? My, my sister said that I should say um, my two most important projects, which are my kids. <laughs> but um, I, because I have been someone in, during my life who's been on the outside, I hope that I leave a legacy of inclusiveness. I hope I've created opportunities for my team, for my colleagues, um, for the the great participants in Association Women Technology Champions to feel like they belong to something. Um, and uh, maybe that's like a pay it forward moment because people like you and ASAE have made me feel like I belong. And so I want others to feel the same way. Um, and, and feel like they have a home. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're really good at setting up the homes, even if you don't say to play with them afterwards. That's true. Yeah. You you can you can play in the house for me. I'll just set it up for you and then move on. <laughs> sounds sounds like a good legacy to leave behind as well. Many strong and forward-facing homes. As always, Tori, such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Uh, thank you to Amy, who's making the magic happen there on the Facebook page, and to all of you for joining us. As always, please feel free to raise the hand of those that you think should be on here as well as we continue to seek the insights, knowledge, experience, and perspectives of those that are helping drive us towards a better association future. Until next time, associationrock.com.